right. Welcome, welcome to Freightonomics. Uh, I'm Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence here at Freightways. With me, as always, Anthony Smith, our lead economist. Uh, we like to play around with numbers and combine them, uh, especially when we're talking about freight and the macroeconomic environment. Anthony, are you on LinkedIn? Checking I am on LinkedIn. Our comments. I am on LinkedIn, checking comments, and here for all your hot takes. So, yeah, if you disagree with Zach like I do, feel free to voice your opinion and tell him how wrong he is about anything and everything. Yeah, so, I mean, you can be wrong, too. That's a free no. country. That's where we are. Uh, on today's show, uh, we will hopefully have Dr. Zach Rogers uh, giving us the latest LMI readings and also discussing some of what is what is happening right now in terms of just all this freight volume. We've got UPS rejecting shipments. We've got carrier capacity, obviously as tight as it ever is. But we're seeing an interesting development in the way that shipping volumes are actually starting to trickle down a little bit. Not significantly, but they are falling down a little bit. And this is traditionally what we see this time of year around the Christmas holiday is a lot of the shippers, uh, they wind down too. You know, we talk traditionally about how the drivers take time off. Well, so do a lot of these companies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, you know, everybody here does it. Uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's, the single most vacationed uh, week of the year in the United States, culturally speaking, and rightfully so. Uh, a lot of people start to wind down. They go visit family this year, maybe, maybe not visiting family, but they're certainly going to take that time. Uh, you know, short weeks are not the uh, the friends of productivity and production in the United States. So we have two of them in a row. Why not take that middle section off? And this year, both holidays land on a Thursday. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to my talk about efficiency and holidays and just lumping them all up in one month. <laughs> so we don't have these staggered days. You just have it. Get out your system in July. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? When you say it that way, I <laughs> It does make more sense from an efficiency makes more standpoint. Sense. But that's, that's effectively what the week between Christmas and New Year's is. It's, it's lumping these holidays together. Uh, I remember going into the office and not, uh, you know, not having a lot to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're basically on watch. You're like a watchman uh, or watch lady, if you will. And they, uh, you know, you're basically there to make sure that the building doesn't burn down. <laughs> yeah if you will. And I feel like that's really what's about to happen over this holiday. We've got a ton of packages uh, out for delivery, a lot of freight sitting still on the water, orders backlogged. You know, Greg Miller's written many of article about it. Uh, there's just a lot of freight still available and our warehouses are getting full. But yeah. before we get into all that, we do have some stories of the day. I don't have any stories, Zach. Yeah. Well, we had... We had we had a big announcement yesterday. Which uh, is, you know, Pete uh, and and forgive me for this last name. Buda Buda Gig. Budacich. There we go. Budacich. One of those uh, Eastern Bloc names, I guess. The, uh, you know, the first uh, openly gay uh, director uh, or head of the transportation department mm -hmm. uh, in the United States. Now. You know, whereas that's a great thing unto itself, a lot of people have drawn into question his qualifications, uh, rightfully so, uh, I think, uh, in the way that he was mayor of Notre Dame or yeah. South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> um, you know, 100,000 person town. And, you know, he went, but he was also running for president. Yeah, he, he made put in his card. He made a decent run uh, before, uh, you know, letting Biden take the, take the reins there. But, uh, you know, in my my point of view is, you know, do, what is what's the impact here, Anthony? I mean, you've got these and maybe 
you know, Will Sested could, could fill us in on here. But, you yeah. know, Mitch McConnell's wife, I believe, is the current head of the Transportation Department. And, you know, none of these people have what I would consider a great resume for leading up the Transportation Department for the United States. That's exactly right. I mean, and I think that's a common, I mean, and also he was a, uh, he joined the U.S. Navy Reserve. So he served the country as well. But I think a lot of times the common theme when we're looking at individuals that are appointed to these roles don't really have any type of experience within these particular departments. We're looking at either if it's a uh, housing, uh, department transportation, anything at all. There's a lot of times we'll see a president come into office and they appoint individuals that are of good standing, high character in their eyes. Maybe they're very strategic in thought and process and they'll figure it out and be able to just kind of move from an organizational standpoint. But I think that's a common theme from anything within the White House. You, you kind of look at, you know, from, uh, you know, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, they'll fill them up with, you know, their people and really kind of say, hey, you've been with me for X amount of years, or I know you're a good person, I know you're a smart person, I know you have this type of background, I think you'll be able to implement your mindset and your strategy meaningfully in this area. And I think that's that's pretty much what we're seeing is kind of par for the course. But us being at Freight Waves, this kind of, you know, impacts us very much directly. Right. Yeah, no, I, I tend to like my the, my leadership to at least have a, a background yeah. in the, uh, the field that I'm, you know, that I'm specializing in, especially one as large as the Department of Transportation. But it, as you said, it, it happens in every single department uh, and politics in America has been this way for a while now. And, and hopefully what, a lot of what you said is true in terms of strategic thoughts. You know, you don't necessarily have to know a lot about, you know, bees to understand honey is yeah. great. <laughs> it's you know, decent. And you may, you may disagree. You it's probably good do. stuff. Also, right. we have a big shout out from South Florida, Mark Pena. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate ah, you. South Florida chiming in. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I guess, somewhat large news of the week. Uh, but also, you know, more, more topical here in the last several months, you know, the Port of Los Angeles, Kim Linkwills wrote an article uh, just recently, big hitter on FreightWaves.com, talking about anchored container ships way down Port of Los Angeles volume. Uh, and uh, Port of Los Angeles uh, was up 22% year over year in terms of total TEUs. Um, and they basically said that they could have been up even more so. Uh, they hit 889,000 uh, 20-foot equivalent units, uh, and they think they could have hit 990,000. Wow. So, and, and, and a lot of the reason was the fact that, like we've talked about in the past, bottlenecks at the port. They weren't able to get them unloaded. There's still a lot of ships anchored out at sea. Uh, so 12 ships at anchor on November 30th uh, awaiting berthing rights in Los Angeles. So an estimated 100,000 TUs were sitting on board those ships. So there's still tons of freight. This is kind of the theme of the holiday and the theme of the episode uh, for what we're setting up here for a little later. But there, there's still so much freight availability. Uh, the rail volumes uh, still continue to be elevated. You know, we normally have this depressed season starting in November for the rail volumes coming off the West Coast. They're still way up, especially the 53-footers, uh, the domestic units still pushing off the coasts out there all over the country. Tender volumes, they are coming down yeah. uh, here over the last little bit. 7% down uh, total tender volumes, I should say, not accepted. Uh, they're coming down, but tender rejection rates hovering right around that 25% mark. Yeah. Uh, so the freight market itself still tight capacity, 
volume's coming down a little bit, but a lot of these, you know, drivers are now, we're, we're right up next to Christmas. Right. So if you think about it, we're a week and a few days away. And that means drivers now have about seven days to dump their freight, make a couple of deliveries, haul a few loads, and then get to where they're going. That means that, uh, you know, the tender lead times, the tender lead time index that measures the difference between the requested uh, date and the pickup date and the requested pickup date. So you submit your order on, you know, Monday, but you say, I want it picked up on Thursday. That's a three-day lead time. Yeah. So lead times are increasing now. So that means that we're averaging right around 2.8 days. And so that means that the, a lot of these tenders are for orders coming out, you know, obviously later in the week or next week. Yeah. That's the last load that they're going to move. And then they got to get to the house. Right. So tender rejection rates, they're going to start going up again. Uh, how far? Not sure. But unlike Thanksgiving, we've got a week. <laughs> and you've got New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So it's not just two days like it was back in Thanksgiving. Now we've got a full week. So there's typically an amplification to that. And that's what we're about to run up against with all that freight sitting out there. One of the questions I'm going to ask Dr. Zach Rogers is, where is it going to go? <laughs> yeah, no one knows. Well, yeah. the other thing is that we've never really had, since the pandemic really kind of set in, it's always been this kind of constant state of flux, like where there was this backlog and then there was like this catching up. Now there's a lot of people trying to get ahead and it's never really current. It's just always just like, hey, there's this this sector of the economy or this subsector of manufacturing, for example, um, that's in a deep backlog. There's a lot of backlog of orders of certain materials and, and certain parts of machinery for the manufacturing, even though it's moving slowly. There's a substantial backlog. Right. A lot of that backlog is coming from production and also from available labor. We're seeing that the labor availability in, within manufacturing is shuttered due to COVID-19 cases. A lot of folks calling in, quarantining, things like that. That's slowing down production. That's putting stuff in the backlog. Going downstream a little bit more to the consumer. We saw in the last time we had, not last time, but one of the times we had Jack, Jack Rogers on here, he went over how there was this uh, effect of, and he could probably talk to this a lot more better better than I can, <laughs> um, this effect of uh, consumers' goods really kind of being postponed and kind of pushed further away from the pipeline because it was no longer, that season was essentially just skipped altogether. Um, we're looking at clothes and things like that, but now we're looking at a lot of retailers that may have seen what happened early on in the pandemic, trying to get ahead of the curve, whether it be with consumer uh, goods, durable goods, non-durable goods, things like that. I know appliances were in heavily in the backlog. When we look at building product and building product materials, that's been in backlog. So we're looking at a lot of backlogs and heavy demand stuff that has really just been keeping the supply chain in this constant flux. That's, that's uh, you know, and it doesn't look like it's going to get cleared up here in the next few weeks by no. any means. Uh, before we get Zach on uh, here, I, I wanted you to give us a quick update. We had retail sales come out. We did. Now, most people look at this in aggregate and just say, oh, retail sales are down, da 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 da, da. But I know, I know you. There's more to it than simply just looking at this. There what was it? 0.1% down total. And I think it, it doesn't come as a surprise because we're talking about how their retail sales have been slowing for quite some time. Mm -hmm. We saw a hit last month and one of the things we said, it might slow, but the two areas to main to, that's going to likely main, maintain positivity is going to be uh, e-commerce, online retail sales, and building product materials. And of course, if we look at here, non-store retailers up 0.2% and building product materials up 1.1%. Um, so definitely still, those are going to be the strong points. We're looking at a year-over-year -year basis, non-store retailers 
up nearly 30% from uh, this month, same time, uh, November 2019, and uh, forbidden product materials, 187 So not exactly a surprise, but I mean, it's telling that, you know, where a lot of that momentum is going. So that, that initial headline number down 1.1%, ah, uh, sucks, but the consumers are still spending. It's kind of showing a shift, if you will, of where priorities are. Yeah, and also industrial production, uh, real fast, another growth uh, month? Yeah, a slight, slight, slight growth for <laughs> industrial production. So that's going to be made up of manufacturing, mining, and utilities. Right. Um, we did see some upward, some upward movement, slight upward movement, less than a percent of upward movement for a manufacturing component of it. Uh, manufacturing for, I think it was automotive, uh, and vehicle parts was one of the positive aspects for industrial production. Yeah, automotive has really come back strong. It's been doing its thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been doing its well, thing. Well, all these people, you got to think about it, all these people moving out of the city, yeah. they got to drive now. Yeah. You know, the suburbs have seen, you know, and God help us, the one thing about this whole pandemic that I have been absolutely a fan of is the lack or the lower amounts of traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think one of the areas I think uh, we were chatting about months ago, I think it was with myself and Andrew Cox about what areas would be coming back and which might be a little bit more um, able to navigate these COVID Tim, or waters mm -hmm. is uh, automotive and many automotive and vehicles because we're looking at the last time they were really hit was in 08 09 right they had to do a lot of maneuvering throughout that time frame they had to get really creative with their marketing campaigns they got bailed out financing yeah. they got <laughs> bailed out um, they really had to be able to um, find a way to hey really appeal to those consumers mm -hmm. different kind of programs of like hey, if you can't maintain employment, we'll take the vehicle back, low finance rates. And so, and they got into that dangerous part of extending those uh, those finance times of like a, what, 72 month to even yeah. longer and extending right. those times. Exposing so, their risk. Yes, and so I think that's something that the automotive industry was kind of already prepped for and dealing with in 0809. So this was gonna be not a walk in the park, but something that they can kind of reach back into. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of economic, macroeconomic updates, and those were the two yeah. major ones. And yeah. tomorrow, of course, we have jobless claims. Yeah, uh, that's a that's been obviously one of the biggest stories of the year. But I don't want to keep Dr. Rogers waiting any longer. Uh, let's bring him on and see what he has to say about our latest logistics managers index and anything else he wants to talk about. <laughs> Hello, sir. How are we today? Hey, hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. I see you're out enjoying uh, a sunny day in Colorado. I am. It is a sunny day in Colorado. And I thought, you know, we come on here and we talk about transportation and I've never called in from a car before. And it just <laughs> seems like it makes sense. And we were just talking about that automotive production. So very appropriate. Exactly. Well, they're, you know, they are so behind in terms of the backlog. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been getting the same amount of of you know flyers in the mail as me like hey are you ready to, to to trade your 2013 in we would really like to have the extra inventory um i have some some buddies who who work at car dealerships and they are essentially you can get such a deal right now if you turn in a uh you know a used car because they are so stressed out on inventory you know we had the uaw strike right because i think we forget right the uaw strike happened and they were back for a week and then COVID happened basically and so right. that pipeline just got crushed for like four months. And, uh, you know, people people like to get cars, I guess. Well, here in America, they definitely like to drive. I mean, yourself included. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm parked. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. 
Um, so uh, let's so, let's break uh, down the uh, the LMI, Zach. Let's see. Uh, you yeah, know, I, there there were several numbers in this month's release that I found intriguing, specifically around the warehouse capacity number continuing to contract. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And of course, transportation prices kind of hovered a little bit. They didn't grow as much as I thought they would. But let's break it down a little bit. Well, what did you see? Right. So here, here's what we saw. So we'll, we'll start with warehousing first. So warehousing this month, we hit a 38, uh, which, and just to refresh everybody, any number below 50 means contraction. The smaller the number is, the greater the contraction is. The higher the number is above 50, the greater the growth rate. So uh, for warehouse um, capacity, we're at a 38, which is the lowest number we've had in the four and a half years that we've been doing this. Okay. And just to take you back to where we were at the beginning of the pandemic, like if you look in January, it was at about a 55. And so we were slowly adding warehouses at the beginning of the year. We we're starting to see more and more capacity come online. Part of it was there was pieces of the industrial market slowing down, but also we were building. We were building warehouses quickly. That's totally been turned on its head uh, in the last nine months. And, uh, and it's funny because normally we don't see these big swings in warehousing. You know, transportation swings all over the place all the time. I mean, transportation, because it's like a lot of spot market stuff, a lot of, oh, I'm, you know, getting a truck for next month. With warehouses, you know, it's a two-year, three-year contract. We don't see this sort of up and down. Um, and so it really shows you how much things have been turned on their head. And it's for two reasons. One, like you guys mentioned a minute ago, we have all this inventory with nowhere to go essentially, right? We're hoteling fashion from last year. All this stuff is just sitting there. And two, like like Anthony just mentioned, very astutely, e-commerce is up like 30% right now for holiday spending. And so how do you do e-commerce? Well, next day delivery mostly is how you do e-commerce now. And so you have to have warehouses that are closer and closer to people. And so we have all this demand. And, and it's interesting because you know, you, you see how low the capacity number is. You see how high the, the, the price number is up in the upper 70s warehousing price right now. And again, it was down like in the 50s at the beginning of the year. Um, and it's because everybody's looking for the same warehouses and it's the same very expensive warehouses uh, that everybody wants to be in. Um, and so it's, it's really driving it up. Now, interestingly, you know, we break the LMI down downstream, upstream firms. It's the upstream firms, you know, the, the non-consumer facing firms who are really having a hard time finding warehouse space, um, which is, is a that, little flipped. Yeah. Is that sorry, because, you know, is that because, uh, you know, their inventory has basically been depleted by the downstream firms? Like they were already in front of it, uh, the fulfillment centers, et cetera. Or is that is that some other reason? I think it's I think it's that. And also, I think it's what you guys were talking about earlier. We've had this sort of backlog for so long of appliance, automotive components, all these other things that you know, we didn't really need to survive basically right. in the summer we've had a problem with. And so now they're starting to stock up and stock up. And the other thing is, I think it's just that the, the warehouses downstream are, are so full that more things are getting shifted upstream and we're seeing a much more of a JIT kind of smooth flow uh, in some things where everything has to be just in time because there's no space uh, to have uh, you know, all the safety stock that you really need. You think that uh, do you think that this flow of freight is going to? I mean, we're we've been talking to the people in the maritime space. Greg Miller, uh, of course, covers that yep. at Freightways, you know, and they have, their ships are booked like all the way oh, into yeah. March. Like, where is mm-hmm. this freight going to end up going? I mean, I'm, I've been looking at you know a lot of the tricks in trucking are 
you have a bunch of trailers sitting out in your in your in the back of your uh, your dock and your facilities, and they act right. as storage intermittently. And dry van orders uh, for dry van trailers uh, have at record levels right now uh, in in the last couple of months. I mean, higher than mm-hmm. at least since 2014 or before that. Um, where where's this freight going to go? So I mean, you know, some of it is getting stored. Another trick would be. And an intermodal train, you know, train car essentially. Right. And the one saving grace is there is some slack in some of the rail markets, you know, flatbed maybe, and maybe you can put a car on top of the trailer on flat car. Yeah. Inventory. Yeah. And so that's what some folks are going to be doing. Um, I also think, you know, we're, we're just trying to catch up so quickly uh, that we, we don't have the capacity, honestly. I mean, that, that's yeah. part of the answer is we're, we're moving and we're moving and we're moving. And that's why you see things like, you know, even though retail might be slightly down, uh, total, you know, transportation, I think we just caught up year over year last month. You know, even in October, right. we were still down year over year in terms of how many trucks we we're using. But, you know, spot market prices are up 106%, <laughs> depending right. on what you're looking at, right? Yeah. And uh, and it's because we're we're doing everything at the last minute. And so I think, you know, I don't know where the top is in terms of spot market prices, but I think that firms are going to continually have to use these creative solutions, like you're saying, um, where it's going to get more and more expensive. And, and eventually, I mean, I don't know what the sort of limiting factor is going to be, whether it's going to be space or whether it's going to be cost. But we're going to hit one of those, I would have to think, pretty soon, especially because next month we're looking at the biggest wave of consumer returns we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. um, and I just I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, you know, $120 billion of consumer returns, probably. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a crazy, crazy number. And Amazon has, of course, anybody that's been on there has noticed yeah, they've extended their return period to January 31st. So I can only imagine yes. what that glut is going to do on the right. backlog. Uh, of, of free. No, they're like, please don't send it back on December 26th. <laughs> please, please, please keep it. <laughs> So our, you know, we're watching our outbound tender volume index slowly kind of fall down. Now it's still at all like record levels for this time of year, et cetera. Right. So it's not like it's falling and all of a sudden there's no freight. Do you, do you get the sense uh, that shippers are kind of slowing down for the holidays as well? Like even though they have stuff yes. to move, they're basically like kind of, it's kind of a natural tendency for all of us to kind of start winding down as we get closer to Christmas. Right. Do you think that's accurate? I do. Well, if you look at capacity, transportation capacity, in October, or excuse me, September, the number we had was a 23, which is the lowest number we've ever had. This month, it was a 35. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it's still decreasing, right? That doesn't mean that we have more trucks on the road than we did in September. It just means that it's it's decreasing at a slower rate, right? The, right. the curve is flattening out a little bit. It's still low. Uh, but it's flattening out a little bit. And so I do think that we see, you know, if even if you look at freight volumes come into the Port of Los Angeles, we set records in October and November for how much freight was coming into to the Port of L.A. And even before that, Q3 was their biggest their biggest quarter ever on record in the 114 years we've been measuring it. We're not seeing that in December uh, or or January. We're not going to have the same. Oh, it's the biggest January ever. It, it won't be. <laughs> And so we do see a little bit of, of slowing down. I mean, we had this huge, huge push, and, and now we're, we're trickling off a little bit. And I do think, you know, we are going to see more capacity coming online, which will help. You know, at the beginning of this, 
I think that everyone was kind of like, well, is this going to be, you know, a couple weeks? Is this going to be a couple months? Remember, there was talk like, oh, yeah, we'll be we'll be back at church for Easter. Right. We didn't right. know. <laughs> um, and so a lot of a lot of these these folks were slow, I think, in terms of, you know, orders for trailers. I think they slow rolled it all through the spring and summer. And it's because we saw what happened in 2018. OK, we built capacity way up. And then in 2019, we're seeing fleets shutter because we we overbuilt capacity, essentially. And there was a spike and it went back down. And I think that everyone kind of learned the lessons of 2018 and was really slow to bring new capacity on, especially in the beginning. Now, okay, we're nine months down the road into this. E-commerce holiday spending is up 30%. That's probably not toothpaste you can put back in the tube. And so maybe we are going to start building more trucks and we are going to start. I mean, like you said, we have record orders coming online. And so I do think capacity will start to catch up a little bit uh, to, to what demand is. I mean, you know, Walmart or sorry, not Walmart, excuse me. Amazon doesn't want to be delivering to my house in U-Haul trailers for the next year. I mean, they just spent a lot of money on these fleets. They would like to, to deliver with their own trucks. So I do think we'll see more capacity coming online uh, as we go into Q1. So, Zach, I mean, the LMI is amazing and one of my favorite indices that I wait for on a monthly basis. And I think one of the areas that don't, doesn't get quite enough attention that I'm always excited to see and read about is the future expectations. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're hearing on uh, your side of the future expectations? Absolutely. So uh, it, we're, it seems like our respondents think that it's going to keep being expensive to be <laughs> in the logistics business. Um, so, you know, the... Now, the, the rate of growth isn't quite as high. I think we're close to like maybe an 80 in this month's report for transportation uh, price, whereas it's an 85, 86 now, uh, 70s for warehousing price. Interestingly, uh, the warehouse capacity number, so will it be going up or going down? For the last six months, people had thought, well, there will be more warehousing capacity at the end of this. And I think, again, you know, 12, yeah, so they're saying, okay, 12 months from now, warehousing capacity will go up, and we see positive numbers there. And again, I think it's because people thought this was an aberration, a blip, something that's going to go away. Now they're predicting it in the 40s. And it's like 48, 49, not, not super low. But essentially what folks are saying is, yeah, you know what, a year from now, we're still not going to have enough warehouse space. There will still not be quite as much as we need. And I think people are starting to, to adjust to the idea that this isn't something that is just a one-time you know, aberration and we're going back to normal. It's sort of like, you know, the, the demand for logistics services was on a curve going like this. And then suddenly it spiked up. But now I think people are realizing it's not going to come back down. It'll just maybe resume its normal slope, essentially. It'll look like, kind of like a stepwise function. Uh, for those of you who, who missed, you know, uh, Algebra 3, 4. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I think that, um, you know, essentially that's what we're seeing with the future predictions. Prices are going to keep going up. And we're going to keep struggling with capacity because the lessons that we're learning for this aren't going away. You know, I'm guessing uh, that Vladimir Lenin hasn't been quoted a lot of times on freight waves, but I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> and he said, there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. And now he was talking in a very different context from like freight volumes, but <laughs> the, the point remains Right now, we're in a, a really just rapid time of change, and I think that's what we see in the future predictions, in the current LMI readings. People are, are just struggling to catch up, uh, and, and it's, it's going to take, I think, more than a year 
uh, for us to build up the capacity uh, that we need to do so. Just in time for the volumes to drop. <laughs> as, exactly. As, yep. Yeah. As as we're always kind of uh, you know behind the eight ball on a lot of things in that regard, but. Dr. Rogers, thank you so much uh, for joining us here. And I never get the chance to uh, to ask you to go ahead and uh, tell everybody where they can find out more about the LMI and 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 what your uh, your group is doing. Oh, thanks, nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought if I came on here nine or ten times, yeah, eventually. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, you can you can find all of our reports uh, at the t h e dash lmi dot com. Uh, and, uh, and reports are, are all up there all the way back for four years. They're free for anybody to, uh, who wants to read them. We're just really, we're just trying to generate enough interest so we can sell it for $44 billion. Like the PMI did last month. That, that's the plan. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, have a great Christmas holiday and, uh, stay safe out there. Yeah. You guys too. Always, <laughs> always great to see you. Right on Zach. Thanks. Wow. So it's going to, uh, it's going to keep on. 2020 persists. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what seems to be the expectations from all of those that are in the industry. The next thing you're going to tell me is that Sasquatch doesn't exist. He doesn't. Oh, it's okay. not a thing. Zach. No. Uh, did you, you're did, you haven't man. been paying attention. <laughs> I've been paying attention. Bigfoot isn't real. Yeah. Zach, uh, you're not going to get me in this trap. <laughs> no. Also, it's been... we're about to play out our music oh. and this is one of our, is this our final show for the year? I don't know. Final show for the year, <laughs> yeah. I believe. But I need to make a huge shout out to Emily Zink. Oh, yes. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Emily Zink, so much God's, for all that you've done. Godspeed and all know. your endeavors. She's going to transfer into the public sector, helping those in Cincinnati, Ohio, I believe it is. Yep, yep. Back, back um, home. None of this could have been possible without her. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. Love you, Emily. Yeah.